Lord, I need some clarity. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Athlete Podcast. My name is Bill, your host. Thank you guys for checking in. Episode number 12, My Love Affair with Fitness. Before we get started, do me a favor. Click, subscribe, like, share, spread the word. Get this out to all your friends and family. We want to grow this podcast. We want to grow the message. So today's episode is going to be a lot of personal stuff, just kind of talking about how I found my way into fitness as a career. Um, I don't know if it was ever intended to go that way. It just kind of happened that way. And I'm going to tell a little bit about that story. And then we're going to wrap it all up by discussing, you know, what I've learned in my time in health and fitness. Because, you know, it's been a it's been kind of a fun journey considering that not only have I you know, been a part of fitness, both as, um, you know, a practitioner, somebody who's worked in the industry for a long time, but I've also had to work very hard at my own health and fitness. And, you know, I'm, I wasn't blessed with great athletic genes. I have some really good athletic genes, but nothing fantastic. So, you know, for me to be pretty physically active at this age and to, you know, feel pretty good and look pretty good, I think that I, I have a lot of insight and a lot of thought, um, but I've also had a lot of education with it as well. And again, I don't think that was ever intended. Um, and I never intended to become a business owner as well. Like I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. So I guess the message here is that, you know, life's going to lead you in a direction. Sometimes just ride the wave instead of trying to fight it. Um, so that's basically what this episode's going to be. Um, it's going to be a couple segments here. Um, in the first segment, we're going to talk about how I met the gym. In the second segment, we're going to discuss, you know, how I got into exercise physiology and what sort of drew me to it. And then in the final segment, we're going to do a top five list, uh, or not a top five list, the five, five things that I have learned in my time in fitness. So um, I won't waste much time boring you. Let's go ahead and dive into the first segment. The best place to start uh, would be, I guess, my high school gym when I uh, first started doing weightlifting in high school. And I remember, you know, starting to do football one summer and going in. And at the time, though, the the weights were set up in the cafeteria. But eventually they had built this brand new little weight room. Um, it was like nothing I had ever seen at that point. Obviously, gyms have become cathedrals, I guess you could say. But at that time, that was pretty awe-inspiring to a young person whose only real experience to that point had been, you know, being at home with our little weight set in the backyard or going to the YMCA, which wasn't, at that time, wasn't really an impressive gym. They eventually, you know, added a little bit more to that, but it was pretty small at that time. So, it, you know, just seeing the machines, seeing all the weights, seeing all the things and, you know, bigger dudes lifting weights and things like that, it just, I, I was, I think I was somewhat smitten right away. Um, you know, I really started to find my joy for it, I think, my sophomore year in weightlifting class. And that was because I think I, you know, it had some real guidance for the first time in the gym. And, and that makes a difference. Obviously, I do it for a living. So, you know, having guidance uh, is definitely important for finding results. And I did. I saw results very quickly. I was playing baseball at the time. Um, the year that I had done weightlifting class was my sophomore year. 
and I went to baseball and just found that I threw the ball harder. I had the best arm velocity that year. Um, I also could hit the ball better that year. And a lot of it was because you know, I had a really long swing. And I just, because I was stronger and I could get the bat through the zone faster, I, I was making more contact with fastballs. I had, you know, pretty good at hand-eye coordination. That's kind of how I hit um, until I hit like, uh, you know, a home run or two. And then I tried to pull everything. And then I started to suck. But either way. Um, you know, I saw the results right away. So obviously in my mind, uh, you know, lifting weights was like the elixir, like bigger, stronger, faster. And I think I've mentioned elsewhere before the bigger, stronger, faster is, you know, has always been, you know, my initial drive to, to doing weights and lifting weights and things like that. Um, you know, from that point, I think I, you know, I'd saw those results and I was never quite able to the rest of my high school career really to commit to the gym again without the structure of having the class and the coach around me. Um, I certainly, was not good at holding myself accountable in high school. Anyway, um, now we get to college, and like every college student, I put on the 15 pounds. In fact, for me, it was the 20 pounds, the freshman 20. A lot of it had to do with being in the dorm and having only you know fast food really available to me on the regular, including a Burger King that was like right across the street. It was like 99-cent Whoppers at the time, and I was a fat kid. Um, at heart, I still am a fat kid at heart, so it was easy to see why I would wander across the street, spend two dollars on a lot of food. Um, but I had started to put that weight on. I went home for a summer. Um, you know, I had gone to the school gym a few times, but I hadn't really fully invested myself in there yet. But I, I went home after my freshman year and joined a little Gold's gym in Naples, Florida. Um, those from Naples that are listening to this probably know where that one is back in the old warehouse district by where our high school was. Um, you know, and it's an old school gym, very old school gym, but I loved it. I loved working out there. Um, you know, I, the time that I would go, nobody would be there. So it was cool. Um, I got introduced to a veteran there. Uh, the diet pill craze really, I guess, started to begin around that time. Um, I had, you know, asked for a drink that gave me energy. The guy gave me ripped fuel, which had a veteran at the time. And yes, I was definitely wired, um, fell in love with those things, but I worked out. And then and this was the first time that I saw that I could reshape my body and look better. Um, I went from, you know, being about 220 pounds, I think, at the start of that summer to being 190 and pretty ripped, probably one of the best shapes in terms of like what I looked like physically at the time. And I started to get noticed by the girls. So there was another reason to like the gym, I think, at that point. Uh, for me as well. You know, I came back to school and I started working out at the leech a lot. I really liked it. Um, but, you know, in, 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 in full transparency, yes, I, I certainly had my ins and outs with the gyms in terms of the times I was there and, and I loved it when I was there, but I certainly had my times out of it. And, and that's a deeper conversation about me, the person, and, and, and I think sort of the motivation stuff. You know, I talk about that. If you haven't gone and listened to Motivated by Motivation, um, you know, uh, interview I do with my buddy Joey St. Germain, you should go do that because it's different for everybody. And, and I think in, in some cases I ruined the gym for myself at periods of time because my motivation wasn't correct. So, you know, really what begins at this point in my time is my obsession with with the way that I look and my physical insecurity. So, you know, there were some ups and downs. There were some peaks and valleys. So I began to put weight back on when I got back to college. Um, I blew up to about 260 pounds. And then, you know, I found stress relief in the gym. And, you know, I knew, like, I was getting results losing weight again. And I eventually dropped all that weight and got back down to, like, 190 pounds before I graduated college. But it was also when, you know, I found my way into the exercise physiology department. And, um, you know, by a stroke of luck, I guess you could say, you know, I was a, a pre-med 
biology major when I started college. And since I wasn't fully invested in my education at the time, I was more invested in the social side of college. You know, my grades were suffering and I had to find other routes, but I also never really felt connected to it. Um, you know, I remember sitting in plant biology or botany and wanting to stab myself in the eye with my pen because it was just boring. And back in those days, yes, uh, for you younger listeners, we had to use pens and paper to take notes. There were no notes delivered to us electronically. Um, and I just knew that I liked, you know, I liked studying life, but I liked studying animalian life. You know, zoology was more interesting to me than um, zoo, or uh, plant biology. So, you know, I, I had dropped out of the program for pre-med. I had found my way into nursing through some friends. And through nursing, I found my way into uh, the science and nutrition, which is the class that kind of ultimately gets me into the exercise physiology department. But in terms of like falling in love with the gym, it, it was pretty easy. I saw results um, in terms of my sports right away. And then I saw results in the way that my body looked. And then ultimately, it's like, and now to me, like more what I do it for is stress relief. You know, ultimately that that feeling of, of exhaustion and pushing yourself. It, and in fact, I tell this to people all the time, like why pay for a therapist? Just go get a good pair of running shoes. That, that's all you need for therapy right there. So that's how I fell in love with the gym. Uh, in the next segment, we will discuss how I fell in love with the science of the gym. In the last segment, I mentioned that, you know, as I was finding my joy of fitness through the results that I was receiving both, you know, mentally, physically, all of those, you know, all of the above, um, you know, I'm, I'm a science nerd and I certainly enjoyed, you know, studying human physiology and just physiology as a whole and science. And I was really into biology at that time. You know, I really hadn't gotten into chemistry and things like that, but obviously that comes a lot later in the program here. But, uh, you know, I just, I just loved science, and, and I, I knew that as a kid. Like, I remember the first class, you know, that I actually felt like in high school that I was bored or was really interested in learning. It was science. It was biology. I was had a lot of really cool science and math teachers. Um, not to say that I didn't have cool teachers all the way around in high school, but I think the ones that fascinated me the most were the ones that were the science uh, teachers. Oh, sorry. But anyway, uh, you know, I... I always liked science, and that's why I wanted to go into medicine because I thought, okay, so I like biological sciences, I like life sciences. You know, what careers are available for people that do these things? And, and, and at that time, you know, obviously the internet's barely even a thing, I believe, at that time. Um, you know, I remember the first time I heard about email was probably when I was in high school, and I was like, what is that? And I don't even think I had an email account until I got into college. But, um, you know, so I, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know there were other ways and, and I didn't think, I didn't see myself at the time as being like a laboratory scientist, even though I ended up almost being one. Um, so, you know, medicine seemed like the logical and I like helping people. I, I think, I think, you know, obviously I, I've chose to be somebody that works with people intimately with their health as a career. That's what I do for a living at its core. So, you know, I, I do enjoy helping people and I feel like it's, it's somewhat of my calling in life and, and not to get all mushy with all that stuff, but I, I do believe that. So, you know, medicine seemed like the logical place to go, but, you know, I wasn't ready for school. I think I mentioned that in the last segment as well. 
you know, I wasn't ready to be a student yet. I didn't really have any career aspirations at the time. I was more working on me, the person, trying to figure out who I was. And I think a lot of people go through that. And I probably didn't belong on a college campus at that time, to be honest with you. I should have been working somewhere and trying to figure this out because I stumbled around a lot. Um, you know, I went from biology to business, back to biology, um, to nursing, and then I found myself into exercise science through nursing. And, you know, even then I started off as sports medicine, and I was, you know, in the athletic training rooms, you know, taping ankles and doing all that stuff, and I didn't even find that to be enjoyable as well. It really, it came back to, in the end, I liked being in the gym. I liked working out. I liked all of that. I'd always wanted to work at the school gym, the Leech Center, um, that was just this awesome cathedral to fitness. And so, like, at the, I just kind of made the decision. It was like, this is really what I want to do. I saw, you know, a much clearer, easier path to finally graduate to because I, I was done dicking around and spending money in college. Um, and, yeah, so I kind of found my way in, and instantly I found a home, and it kind of perpetuated everything else. The only reason why I, you know, would have thought to come back to grad school was because I found two things that I love intimately, and I was able to put them together, sport, fitness, and science and obviously the industry has changed i mean it's amazing to see the way it has changed since i first started but some of the things that i think kind of drew me to it was that it was very new it was very fresh we were on the forefront um in terms of like students like i see a lot of my you know the people that i went to school with now and also in grad school and the amazing things they're doing now and how they're changing you know, the big uh, entities all throughout, the, the National Strength and Conditioning Associations. Um, you know, a couple of these guys do great work and great things on like Instagram and, and the social media platforms about getting the message out about the realities of fitness and not this world that was created by the marketing of fitness. And so, you know, I just, I loved it. I, I realized that I wanted to help people. I also realized that I didn't want to deal with death and dying. So the most logical place for me was to begin working as an exercise scientist. So the schooling was fun. The information was neat. It was like all of those sciences that always seemed sort of, you know, I, I couldn't quite grasp it. And, I, and I've come to find that I learn when I see big picture. And it's like if I can start putting the pieces into the big picture, then I can learn them and catalog them better. And then really that was, I think, the first time that I noticed that is that, you know, I could walk into an anatomy class and I could think about it in terms of the way the body was working and I really understood it. Or even organic chemistry. I just, you know, I, I didn't have great grades in chemistry up until organic chem and then I got an A in organic chemistry. And a lot of people kind of were like, what? And it's just, you know, it's once I understand you know, I have a clear vision of what I need to learn and why I need to learn it. It, it you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I, and I wouldn't say that I was, you know, the smartest. I wasn't very observant back then. I could certainly regurgitate materials and understood what was going on. But it wasn't until grad school, um, which coincided with another period of time where I gained a bunch of weight and was pretty miserably depressed. I think we've discussed this in other places, so we won't rehash it. Um, and it's another tale that'll come up probably over time as well. But, you know, really what I learned in grad school, because I, I kind of dove myself into the harder sciences, um, you know, I, I began really studying molecular, cellular, um, biochemistry, really getting into the in-depth part of how the mechanics of physiology work. You know, because you, we could sit there and look at, you know, something as simple as, you know, ATP being produced, but the amount of chemistry that goes into ATP, and for those that 
maybe don't know that acronym right away. Um, it's a the molecule that we use for energy. It's the actual molecule we use to do physical work in the body with. Um, you know, the, the chemistry that into regulating and creating ATP is so crazy complex and you really don't understand that process unless you understand the chemistry of it. So like really I gained all that knowledge. So I left grad school even though I didn't finish uh, for various reasons with a, just a deeper understanding of the science. And that made me love what I did more because then, and, and as this uh, podcast is named for, the Perpetual Athlete Podcast, was first the Perpetual Athlete blog. And it was me writing about all of these things that I had learned in grad school and tying them together with the things that I had learned in undergrad. And it was really fun and really freeing and I think made me the practitioner that I am today. And so, you know, we're going to wrap up this segment right here and go on to the next. In the next segment, I'm going to tie all this together and I'm going to show you some of the things that I've learned. And hopefully we're going to begin to, you know, peel away some more of the layers of the things that I've learned about health and fitness as we record more of these podcasts. So stay tuned. So this will be the third and final segment of today's episode, and um, it's going to be a little long-winded because we're going to do a list here. I think the best way to wrap up a podcast about my love affair with fitness is to talk about, I think, the top five things that I've learned. And remember, my experience is going to go way back. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. You know, I began you know, actually working in the industry right at the end of college, which was around 2000. So yeah, about 21 years I've been in and out of this business or doing something related to health and fitness. So I've learned a lot. I've been able to observe a lot, not only with, you know, my own fitness and my own health, but also those that are my clients. So without further ado, let's go ahead and begin the top five things I have learned in my years of fitness. Number one. Focus on what you like. And before I kind of give you a little bit more context to this, just th- these are not in any particular order. I don't, this is not like a list of top five. This is just five things that I believe that I've learned. So, you know, focus on what you like. And I think this is an important uh, aspect of fitness that people miss is, you know, if you like something, you're going to do it. Um, And if you don't like something, eventually you're going to find ways to create barriers to put in front of it and then eventually not do it. So, uh, you know, don't don't get the miss the mixed message of you have to do this style of exercise and this style of exercise. I do believe that diversity is is important for the overall health of a fitness program. And there's a pun in there, obviously, but um, definitely. The idea of doing the things that you're going to enjoy and do the most, making those the forefront of your program is the most important thing because the reality is it's just being active is important. Just just getting out and being active. There's there's nothing in particular. I mean, even the American College of Sports Medicine, which is a, you know, a pretty big governing body in health and fitness, you know, it classifies as gardening as exercise so you know just getting out and getting moving so if that means your favorite thing to do is hike like you like going for long hikes then what you say is that well you know i'm going to make a plan to hike at least once a week whatever that may be a big hike 
uh, somewhere in the surrounding area. You can do the research or whatever, and you make that the focal point. And then you think to yourself, you know, what are things that I can do in the meantime, you know, in the short term when I'm, you know, working and I'm a busy person and I'm part of my life that will make that hike better? Well, you could go for a long walk or a run or you could do some resistance training or you could do some, you know, Peloton, whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like the idea that doing, making your program built around the activity that you love the most is probably going to be the best way to fit the other things into the routine that you may not like the most. And in this way, you're not feeling like, oh, I'm just doing a bunch of things I don't like. You're actually doing more things that you like, and then it helps you tolerate the things that you don't like. Number two, things that I have grown to learn and experience over my time in the fitness industry is movement and myofascial. And I'm going to be, again, pretty honest with everybody. If there was a weak link in my chain armor, that would probably be it for the longest time. And not that I didn't understand it or that I didn't understand anatomy, but... I'm weird about the way that I learn. Uh, sometimes it's it just takes the right the right piece of information for the information to click into my brain in a way in which I can understand it and then manipulate it. And you know, a lot of what scientists do is do that. They take the information available and they find ways that they can you know maneuver and wiggle within those rules and and that way create something. So in movement in the myofascial, I think because I, I got so far away from anatomy and physiology in grad school. So I hadn't really done anatomy and physiology much or anatomy in terms of like muscular anatomy and biomechanics and the movements and all of that since I had been an undergrad. And, you know, I thought I understood it, um, you know, well until I began doing more corrective exercise and working with an individual who, you know, had, had some experience doing some, some physical therapy things. Um, and then even then after, you know, several years of working with that individual, I still wasn't, I still, I thought I knew everything then. And then I realized, and, and, you know, sometimes I think the greatest lessons that I've learned over time is know what you don't know. And this has always been the area in which I, I, I'm not the most skilled or the best, I think around. And, and I enjoy learning from the individuals that I've come across over time because I myself have suffered from, you know, injuries that have been as a result of poor biomechanics, you know, mis misactivating, missequencing, and, and all of these things are so vitally important to the, the health of the movement because, um, and, and we'll bring golf into this because I think this is a pretty good analogy to what I think about movement these days. Um, you know, obviously everybody's an individual, so you have to kind of, you know, juxtapose the idea of what's the appropriate way to create the movement with, you know, what that individual has to do to create that movement. So it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of cues to get people, you know, to, to kind of do some of the things that you're, you, you're seeing visually as the trainer. So, you know, it, it's not just as cut and dry as, you know, you complete a squat and that's good. And, and most of the times I think people go with the strategy that has, um, you know, benefited them the best. And again, I, I do a lot more work with general population. Um, you even see little mistiming things in athletes and people who have, you know, had some training before. So it's not like this is something 
that is all or none. It's a very much a continuum. You know, you could be almost right in one little tick or one little tweak of a movement at the end to compensate for something else wrong can lean to a wear and tear injury over time. So, um, you know, my appreciation for myofascial um, and movements and the importance of it and being able to coach it and understanding it in a much deeper way. Um, I've been very, like I said, I've been very fortunate to uh, been been schooled by a couple people that are pretty good. Uh, the last individual that I'd really learned from accelerated because, again, I think he. I remember, you know, when I was in when I was in grad school, chemistry was always difficult for me, and then all of a sudden I step into this chemistry class, and just the way he described chemistry, it all of a sudden became very apparent to me. Um, in the same way that that individual, and and oftentimes I find it's people who are very practical that are able to relay that and both these individuals were so um, movement in myofascial is something that I'm forever learning um, and, and I feel like life is a classroom so I don't really care I just keep learning so movement in myofascial will be the number two on the list number three it's all just chemistry and actually as I look at my list here I find it somewhat funny that I had ended the last one with talking about how I finally had my eureka moment with chemistry like you know biology eureka moments always came and even as i was you know getting smarter at the the metabolism stuff and really understanding it i you know i could see the chemistry but i don't think i ever really understood chemistry until that one professor that i had mentioned in the last one so yeah i think this is a pretty easy one i think most people who know me and who have listened to me talk before know that this is the area of fitness where, you know, I kind of differentiate from a lot of people. I don't look at the body like a machine. I look at it as a chemistry equation that needs to be balanced appropriately. And that means that all of the different stimuli that we experience from nature, whether that would be temperature, moisture, um, electromagnetic sensations, um, you know, toxic smells, whatever the case may be, all of those things, food for that matter, all of those things are sensed by the body and adapted to. So uh, if the chemistry gets out of whack, the body's not healthy. And, you know, I, I understand that there are so many different phenotypes and some bodies are more adept at doing things than others. Um, that's something that has been, you know, part of that chemistry paradigm. I remember, you know, when I got back to FSU in 2005 and I sat in on biochemistry and I hadn't taken a class in five years and I hadn't taken chemistry in like seven years. And here I am just diving headfirst into a concrete pool. Um, and I remember this whole, uh, talk about affinity and enzymes and, uh, a particular, um, chart. I'm not going to say the name because I'm going to say it wrong and I'm going to sound like a fool. But this particular chart sort of maps the, the affinity an enzyme has for whatever it is it is acting upon. So uh, the terms for that is a ligand. Um, it's just a, a floating material that an enzyme is going to latch onto and alter whatever that alteration may be because there are a variety of enzymes that are in the body. But this basically describes the relationship between those two things. So in a sense, if something has a very high affinity for whatever it is it's latching onto, it doesn't take much of for it the chemistry reaction to occur. Whereas if it has a very low affinity for it, it may take more of that product 
in the area for the enzyme to start acting. And there are multiple places in which this occurs in the body where, you know, the enzymes are a little bit different. And I remember, you know, two enzymes in particular that were involved with glucose, where one was a high affinity, one was a low affinity, one was found, um, you know, out in the muscle and the other was found in the liver. So, and then I remember the functions sort of matched up of why one was a high affinity and one was a low affinity. So, you know, there is there is a functional way in which that enzymes can gauge the amount of activity they are to not overdo or underdo certain processes. So I think you can understand that in a lot of ways that is essentially balancing a chemistry experiment. So, you know, the, it's all chemistry in reality. Uh, muscle growth is chemistry. Uh, the damage that occurs to the muscle is, is chemistry. The way that we extract um, the nutrient and, and rebuild, it's all chemistry. Uh, DNA is all chemistry. So um, I think that is probably the most interesting thing was, is I remember sitting in chemistry my freshman year of college and thinking this sucks. And now I love chemistry because, you know, it's all chemistry. Number four, behavior and health and wellness. So... This is always a fun topic because, and, and I may have said this already in other podcasts, I don't have the kind of recall to know what I've babbled on in other episodes, but I've taken, you know, a hundred plus different science-based classes, hard sciences, uh, mixed sciences, whatever the case may be. Um, and I've taken four classes on psychology and behavior. And when I do what I do for a living, I spend more time using the knowledge from the four behavior and psychology classes. That is literally the most important space when it comes to becoming healthy. Because if you have a bad attitude towards health and fitness, if you are not being self-observant, you're not actually looking at the behaviors and accepting the behaviors for what they are and, and seeking solutions to fix those behaviors, it doesn't matter how many times you start and stop health and fitness programs or diets or whatever the case may be. You're, you're going to always run into that barrier because you're, you're basically, you know, you're running, you're running on a treadmill the wrong way. So you're, you're running against the current. You're, there's just no way that you're going to actually find those results and because it's the attitude. And, and one of the things that I've always sought to create in, in my facility is positive, happy. We're, we're here to have fun. And, and I know fitness is not always fun to people. Not everybody enjoys fitness. But if you, if you make it fun enough, if you find a way to make it fun enough and palatable, people will continue to do it and you won't get bored or get stressed and overtrained and stop doing it because your attitude's better about it. If your attitude is, oh, this is going to suck, before you even go to the gym, at some point, the, oh, this is going to suck is going to come early enough for you to abort going to the gym. And that's not good because consistency is still the key. The more often you are in the gym, um, as long as all of your activities are in balance and we're not overdoing things that are going to lead to over injury, then you're fine. You're, you're, the behaviors are in place that are going to keep you going there. And if those behaviors are set in stone, then you can look at other behaviors and you can start creating strategies around those behaviors. You don't ever want to just set a behavior and believe that you don't have others that need to be fixed, especially with health. You know, I, I look at it from my perspective because I'm very impulsive 
and my impulsiveness is certainly for food and for beer and for some other things and, and whatnot. And I, I just, you know, for me, it's important to be in control of my impulses because they can get me into trouble. So the behavior and wellness stuff is so important. I mean, even an elite athlete like Simone Biles, who does not need to prove anything to anybody about her greatness. She's great. And she's a fantastic athlete can end up with, you know, basically the gymnastic version of the yips and bow out and people can criticize her. And those same people are probably the ones that, you know, go through trauma mentally just to get up and go and get on a treadmill. So, you know, remember that when it comes to exercises, if, if, if you are not mentally ready to do it, then you're not going to do it for very long and you could probably end up injuring yourself. So behavior is probably the most important part of health and wellness is that with good behavior and good attitude, you can create a sustainable program that can get you the results that you're looking for. Number five, accepting both your limits and your barriers. And this is an important one and it's the final one because it's kind of a weird mental space to be in when you're looking at both what your ceiling and your floor is. And for most people, especially just general population people, you gotta, you gotta kind of accept what that is. You gotta accept what your barriers are. Um, you have to know what your limits are. Um, especially as you get older or you have sustained an injury, all of these things are going to impact the way that you perceive exercise so you know obviously the plan has to be tailored to match exactly what you can and can't do so you know oftentimes i find people are scared to push themselves past their barriers uh physically and that some people you know are kind of uh ignoring whatever their limits are because you know and then they end up hurting themselves um you know i do that a lot um as I've gotten older, I've had to learn my limits and they're constantly shifting because I'm getting older. Um, you know, when, you know, my, my areas that atrophy when I'm not exercising atrophy very quickly now. And, you know, it used to be a lot longer lag time and I could maintain other strength, but it's, you know, particularly my hamstrings and, and stuff like that, they go quickly and my shoulders now too. So, um, I have to be pretty mindful of those things. So I have to stay active, uh, but also I'm older. So, you know, resistance training is tough on my joints, um, especially because I'm also active in other ways. Like I like, you know, swimming, I like playing golf and all those things. So it's, you know, if, if my primary exercise was just weightlifting, then that'd probably be okay. I could do more load workouts, but because I like to do other things, um, you know, I have to kind of back that off. So, you know, how I have sort of adapted to those things and, and, and as what I've said is that I still have enough capacity within one workout a week to do some serious load and to really challenge myself um, with resistance training. And, you know, I have to pick those spots. Um, and then the other thing I can do is I can use the blood flow restriction cuffs and then I can kind of take the load off but still get somewhat of the same muscular intensity and things like that. So, so that's what I'm saying. It's like you, you, you have to understand that I, I can push past a barrier, which is, you know, I'm getting older, so I have to be more mindful of the ways that I train to make sure that 
I'm getting all that my body needs. And so that I don't, you know, end up injuring myself or being down for a while, because obviously that's when bad behaviors can be, you know, kind of take the place of the good behaviors. So for me, it's the way that I move around the activities that I do. The other thing that I've began doing is swimming. Like I've become a big fan of swimming because I can get a very intense cardiovascular and resistance training workout with swimming without loading my joints. My joints, my joints are pretty much unloaded in there. And the only thing that I have to focus on is maintaining a good stroke, a good, you know, technique that feels comfortable, that allows me to move and take my breaths and, and not kind of, you know, wrench my neck. Sometimes I feel it a little bit in my neck with my breathing and I know that I'm doing something wrong. Um, so, you know, that's, that's basically the, the my, plan and goal for myself is I don't want to ever say that I I have to back off and being active, but I may have to back off of doing some things that I could do even just like four or five years ago that maybe my body, like one in particular is I, I love the Olympic lifts and I love doing power cleans, but you know, power cleans hurt my body. Every time I do them, I end up injured. I end up basically down. And, and, and really if I miss golf, that's the one that bothers me the most is when I'm missing golf, because that's my joy. I I tend to tailor a lot of my activities around golf because I like playing golf. That's what I, that's the activity that I enjoy the most, but I do, you know, obviously golf doesn't get you the kind of workout that, you know, resistance training or swimming or a run or a bike ride do. So, you know, to me, it's, it's, that's, that's kind of how I gear it is I make sure that I fit those things around golf so that I can enjoy my golf and I'm not down, I'm not injured or I'm not sore and unable to perform golf. Um, and so that I think is, is kind of the, the most important lesson. I think really in the end, um, it kind of ties the bow on this pretty nicely is, you know, accepting your limits, but also understanding your barriers and find solutions for getting over your barriers and find solutions for getting around your limitations. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up right here. First, I want to thank everybody for stopping by and listening. Um, I see more and more people listening, which means that more and more people are either finding this or it's being shared more with others. I hope you guys are still rating, subscribing, sharing, whatever podcast device you use. You can find me on three different platforms. Um, again, I'm having fun doing this and I don't want to stop doing this. So the more you guys listen, the more you spread the word of this, the more that I keep doing these and I keep coming up with great content. Um, I've already got the next podcast in mind. I'm going to bring on a guest. I've already reached out to the guests. They've already agreed. We've just got to set some things up. I've got to do a little background information. And I think this will be a fun one because this is going to be one of those topics that, um, are kind of newer in the fitness realm and, the individual that I'm bringing in is a smart guy and I think he's going to give us some good, some good info on that. So look forward to that. Obviously this is the end of episode 12. I'm glad to have made it to episode 12. So again, thank you guys. I look forward to continuing this process. I hope you guys enjoyed my top five reasons there at the end. I know this one got a little personal, but, uh, there we go. I know I never know how to end these things. We'll just end it. All right. Check you guys next time. Tarif knocked out, knocked out. Local rapper part one, part one.